Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. I am so excited for this episode. I met Mayor John Morris III at the National Hurricane Conference. We hit it off. Really good stuff that we were talking about. And I was like, hey, I really need to get you on the show. He graciously, very quickly, accepted my invitation. And, um, you know, we're, we're here now. I'm just going to kick this off, though, uh, for the mayor. Um, again, a major honor for us to, to have him on the show. We typically do not have politicians on here, but there's a reason for that. And the reason is when we were at the National Hurricane Conference, I ran into emergency manager after emergency manager, and then I ran into the mayor. And I was thoroughly impressed that he brought himself out and his city council out or his town council. And uh, they were just talking about how they were from White Castle, Louisiana. And uh, it, it blew me away on, on every level of trying to do things right, trying to learn more about hurricanes, trying to protect people. And I was like, this is the right kind of guy to have on the show because he can give a perspective, spe specifically from a political side, of caring about people and trying to do it right. So uh, without any further ado, uh, Mayor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on Disaster Tough. I'm, it's, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad it would be disappointing if you're like, I'm, I was dreading coming on the show. That'd be, that'd be a problem. So let's, let's talk about, uh, kind of that where, where I teed you up there for a second. What brought you out to the national hurricane conference? Like what was the motivator there? Okay. Um, we basically, uh, went to the national hurricane conference. Um, we attended our first one last year in new Orleans, um, mm. uh, during a lot of COVID time. And, um, we met some people and they were like, Hey, come out into the national one, come out to uh, Orlando and just check it out. Uh, you can learn so much. And, um, and I was luckily to bring uh, some of my uh, town council, three of them that actually came and uh, they were really pleased. And we got a chance to learn a lot. Uh, you know, we took the FEMA class, got the certification for the EOC ICS nice. interface. Uh, so uh, we all passed it. And um, it's just something that we want to do. You know, being a small town, it, it takes a lot. And uh, sometimes it makes seems very minute compared to a major city with, hundreds of thousands, but you know, the problems don't change smaller amount of people, but the problems are still the same. Yeah. There's, there's a really good friend of mine um, that I might probably mention him way too much on the show. His name is Patrick McGinn. He's the director of Salvation Army and he and I served on the national strike team together. And he really dr drills into how all disasters are local. And, you know, like even me, like, and I recognize this, it's, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a fault to the system, but the resources required to help out communities when they're impacted by disaster, you get the flood of resources in and then the flood goes away. And uh, when you when you leave, you know the people who are still dealing with that disaster are going to be dealing with it for years. And so, again, it's just really incredible to see like a, a mayor, for example, and to say, like, I'm going to do something about this myself and I'm going to go. We're going to get EOC certified. I think that's phenomenal. Um, and, and to start walking through that, do you have any kind of background in emergency or disaster services before um, your political life? Yeah, actually, I work for the police department inside of the administrative right. side. Uh, very close to the police chief. So that was for eight years. Um, so many disasters <clears throat> that came, whether it was big or small, uh, I was always pulled out to make sure that any type of connections that had to be made with the media or anything and just making sure the logistics were perfect. Uh, so uh, I kind of like the bad guy behind the scene making things work and, you know, kind of the hidden face that's behind the, the screen a little bit. So that is an emergency manager. So we're like, you're like a uh, Batman 
um, quietly moving all the pieces together. So that's, that's pretty awesome. But, um, okay. So let's, let's just dive in because even right before we were recording, I was like, Oh, I need to capture this on the, on the screen. Like what we talk about in EM was we, we talk about disasters a lot, but we also talk about critical infrastructure and you actually have to run in your town, your critical infrastructure, right? One, yes. you know, it is a smaller, a smaller town, but two, like, it's it's a you just had an incident right with a gas leak, and so yeah, yeah moments it's, it's ago a, <laughs> it's moments. it's a it's a moments ago like literally today right yeah today that's, very much that's today. nuts um walk us through your process now that you like you, so you were in a police department for like eight years um and so you kind of were working behind the scenes now as the mayor and working through this stuff what what keeps you up at night. Besides, uh, like, running for your new campaign or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's on the wall. Uh, well, <laughs> what gives me up is just that, you know, you want to offer the best to people. And uh, sometimes in the process, small towns get left out. Uh, they don't see things. They feel like they're the voices that go unheard. Uh, so uh, basically, you want to be there at their disposal, uh, giving them everything. You will kind of be like the dark knight you know, kind of the protector of your community. Uh, so, but doing it very discreetly and not overpowering where people feel like you want to be the center of attention. Uh, you, you know, even though they elected you here, you want to kind of be back in the kind of humble stage just to show them that you're passionate about what you do. Uh, you're there all the time. You know, the phone never stops ringing. And, uh, you know, even in the midnight hours, if something comes, they want to know that they have someone there that's really going to get out of the bed and say, hey, let's make this thing right. So our people's lives are never uh, in distress in any type of way. Real quick, we're going to pause for this week's Disaster Tough endorsements. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. The Readiness Lab is trailblazing disaster readiness. Early access for the highly anticipated course, Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations is currently live. Think you have what it takes? Join us in Atlanta for an immersive experience. Space is limited to 40. Go to thereadinesslab.com forward slash training to learn more. Okay, let's jump back in. Um, I wonder how many Batman references we're going to be able to do throughout this uh, this podcast. Um, Probably the, the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was clever. So, um, yeah, it, it's riddle me this. No, I won't do that to you. That that's super dumb. Um, yeah, like so. The reason I, I harp on, I'm going to be super honest here. I usually harp on politicians quite a bit because they're the most important. And a figure because they have the legal authority to act in a disaster, but they are also can be the biggest hindrance. And so again, like just to hear a politician saying, Hey, like I'm going to do something about this to protect people is all the right mix of, of stuff that like we want to see in EM. And so I like, again, pulling it back down to all disasters are local. You're seeing it firsthand. You have to do something about it. You know, you have to put on the cape at night and uh, to help out whatever the job may be. If, if you're going to like walk through 
the pitch for emergency managers of like working with your political counterparts, what would be some of the lessons you learned as kind of wearing both hats and um, how do you keep moving the needle forward? Oh, I believe the only way you move the needle forward is open communication. You know, you have to be accessible and you have to also be level headed. You know, sometimes, you know, as politicians, you know, we believe we the elected one. Our opinion is dominant. And, you know, you can't be dominant because sometimes you just don't know. And you have to be bold enough to say you don't know. And you have to put the greater good of the people above your personal interest. And I think that's where we uh, we fall short, where there's, you know, you want people to have things happen quick. And everything in government is, is slow if you actually uh, by far. And so uh, we have a good relationship with our emergency manager. Uh, you know, in Louisiana, we have parishes. We don't, you're not counties. So our parish, right. one that serves on our emergency preparedness, he's accessible. He's always there where you can call. And likewise, I like to re, uh, be myself to him and he's himself to, uh, to me. And that gives us an opportunity mm-hmm. to be very candid with each other. Uh, so, uh, you know, in our recent storm with Hurricane Ida, what we were able to do is we partnership every morning, uh, every time we can talk. You know, we're the, the area that was uh, without lights for about seven days. Uh, wow. and, uh, you know, the town of White Castle could have been powered up in probably about three to four days. Uh, but, you know, there are some people outside of our incorporated limits that would have been without lights as well. Uh, so one of the big things we were uh, saying that we didn't want to just have lights and not have the counterparts have it as well. So even once our lights were back on, we still stayed on that call. And that shows that there's a care in the area where someone is willing to represent for them if they have that greater uh, connection with the energy source, which we did, you know, have a good relationship with our energy rep in the area and kind of want to learn the system of how it goes. And that same thing, you know, where our EOC guy can help us. I want to learn from him as well. And uh, so therefore, we're not clashing politically because, you know, he doesn't answer to me. I I don't answer to him. But we understand that mutual respect that at the end of the day, if it all falls off, it's both our butts. And so, you know, we have to be open minded in that area. So I would say open your lines of connections, uh, be able to communicate effectively and go learn. So when he's using terms that you may not know, you can actually be able to have that, uh, that thought process. You know, when you start seeing all these acronyms happen and you're looking like, oh, my God, what is this? And you're looking and, uh, and, you know, you're sitting in the command and and everyone's looking around like. I wonder what that word is. And uh, and you're like, <laughs> and so you usually get the politicians in the room and they be looking like, nah, that's not the part we're here for. We just want to hear about the logistics part. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's weird. I mean, really, you know, when you talk about politics, they want to hear the logistics and they want to hear where the aid is coming. Any other part or any other string you have to pull to get it, that's not their string. Their string is just to smile for the camera and know that the aid is there. And, you know, we have to be much more than that as politicians because people look for us for strength outside of just the aid. And they want to know that they have confidence in the people who are presenting for them and who's representing them in that area. Well, uh, there's about a million different areas I could launch points here. Um Without getting too political myself, I'll let you be the politician in the room. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a serious concern. That's probably the best word I could probably come up with of a lack of leadership to make difficult calls and to want to be in the room more than to be on the camera. And um, again, you're just saying all the right stuff, and it gives me a lot of hope. It's like, okay, like there's mayors out there, there's there's politicians out there who are doing this right, who want to be in the room, who want to know more. 
I had this funny moment. Were you? Um, I don't know if you were with Nat when we we, we were doing this. Um, Nat Sellers, who was at the conference with me. Um, somebody somebody mentioned something, and I was like, "Oh yeah, make sure you get your HVA for your EOP, and after you have your EOP, you can build your your HMP and your you know EMAs." And and it was like like the acronym monster. And Nat was like, "Yeah, yeah, I totally get all of that." And the other guy that was with us, he was like, "Hey man, I'm a filmmaker. Like I don't." <laughs> I don't get that. I don't know what's happening here. By far, I'd have been like him. I was like, I don't know what he's talking about at this moment. I, but uh, no idea. ABC one two three. You know me. Um, yeah. uh, good song, by the way. Um, but like, yeah, that's a that's a, a good call out. It's also a good call out for us. It's like we get so ingrained in our processes that like we could be saying the same words and it could mean totally two different things. Logistics to me means something very logistic very different to somebody who when i say logistics to somebody for example in tech industry or maybe even politicians and so like um i think there's a when you're talking about communication i think that having that time to understand that you're making sure that you say and mean the same things is so incredibly important um so you can walk through that was ida your um your first real big test in terms of like a disaster in your in your town when you were the mayor yeah, I said it was uh, because, um, you know, we had faced a few other ones, but they were minor. So we were, I hate to yeah. say that sometimes you're just lucky uh, or whatever. And you see yeah. that little bit happen and you're like, well, we were almost the eye. And then all of a sudden it just turned and uh, and you hate to yeah. say it. And it's kind of, you know, cringing because, you know, another community is about to get hit. But Isn't, uh, that, a, isn't that a funny thought? You're like, oh, yeah. oh, shoot. Yeah. 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 That's kind of be like, you know, uh, I had them laughing uh, in a board meeting. I was like, oh, the eye turned. And it was like, oh, good, good. I'm like, yeah, but somebody else about to get hit. And a yeah. guy in the back of the room said, well, it's lucky it's not us. I said, well, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. But I mean, I feel bad for the next person. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of how the, 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 the pendulum goes sometimes. You know, you get hit, then you don't get hit. Uh, but uh, what you do in the process is that if it's in, a, in your area where you can help, you know, within your neighbors and they, they get hit, Reach out, you know, find out what you can do on the ground to help them for a life. So, you know, um, that's what we do. We like the partnership. So, you know, my neighbor doing either, um, you know, they were out lights for about 14 days. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to make sure could we get some ice to you? Could we get some water? Could we come cook down there for you one day or whatever? You know, it had mm -hmm. a lot of help on the ground in like uh, in Louisiana, period. But, you know, as a small community, you know, we want to come out. Let us help uh, lend a helping hand because, you know, your neighbors need you sometime. And, uh, you know, and if you could mm -hmm. be there for them, just make this time it was them. Next time it could be you. And you don't want to be on the other side of it and say, well, you forgot what you did when it was our turn. huh? So, you know, yeah. uh, you kind of be careful about it's like a next movie reference, uh, Lord of the Rings. Like you remember Gondor or whatever. Uh, yeah. uh, I, the way I look at about avoiding disasters, knowing it's going to hit other people, it's it's really just a shift in mentality. And, and like if people do it wrong, it, it's bad, right? Like, oh, sweet, I'm fine. They just kind of walk away. But you can still be grateful that you are not hit. But then you have to recognize that it's now on your responsibility to be the aid. And and to to have that expectation, or I wouldn't say that, maybe that hope that if you were hit, it would return. But um, yeah, I, I agreed with that perfectly. You're like, hey, but somebody else is going to be hit. How can we help them out? Again, that's relationship building. You also mentioned something earlier when you said like, hey, like we have different roles and maybe authorities. Well, 
the town definitely doesn't have to listen to you as the mayor, different town, right? But if you're building that relationship, then you have a mutual respect and a, a win-win situation where you can help each other out. And again, just saying all the right stuff there. Um, I can see that EOC training that you did as uh, really coming through, but um, no. Um, so, so let's talk about the activation of Ida though, because like, again, if we're on this hurricane theme, um, and, and just trying to walk that through. So can you just kind of walk through your experience of like, you found out about or Ida, it's going to come in and like, kind of like the actions that you guys actually took throughout the entire process. Yeah, basically, um, once we see a storm on the horizon, basically, um, our EOC basically would send out, uh, uh emails first. And then, uh, when it's time to actually have a, you know, a sense of activation, they would actually uh, give a call to every elected official inside the the, the parish and uh, tell them, hey, mm -hmm. we're going to meet on this day. So usually we have meetings about 10 o'clock that morning uh, or whatever, a few days before. And we just kind of lay out uh, where you can get sandbag loading, uh, where you can uh, actually, uh, if their shelter is going to be put in place or uh, whatever. And uh, they do that. On, and that's on the parish level, which our parish EOC uh, handles that part. Uh, but back at home, you know, you you depend on, you know, the, the parish and the state somewhat uh, for what it is. But you also back home in White Castle, we like to be uh, have a preventative measure as well. So, you know, back uh, we go back and check our stockpiles. Uh, we actually have a water stockpile. We actually have tarps and everything uh, on hand. I have constant communications with uh, our uh, fire chief in case there's a break in the levee or in case we just take on a lot of flooding um, or there are boats accessible or what could we use um, uh, if we can. And actually, I use my staff. Uh, if we know there's some low lying areas that if water does happen, um, we can actually go out and we really help aid them. And uh, for our elderly, we put sandbags out for them. Uh, in a nice way that is actually, uh, you know, can kind of shield them away. And we kind of, uh, through my Facebook, I kind of, in a sense, uh, sent out warnings of telling them how to use generators if they have to use it to make sure that fumes don't uh, inundate the home and it costs any type of uh, uh, quick debt based on that part. Uh, so a lot of our things is just uh, reaching out and just doing the friendly measure. And we, you could ride around mm -hmm. and there's neighbors helping other neighbors uh, put wood against the windows. And and some really, in our case, we never really stopped being uh, hurricane ready because it could pop up <laughs> at any time and tornadoes could be on the ground, wherever. So we always in that position where we, hey, let's go. And at that point, I've since, uh, I think at those areas, we get to see a sense of what uh, community actually is. You know, because once they take care, hey, neighbor, can I help you next door? What can I do? So, you know, really, it's all a, it's a full fledged of just trying to make sure everything is at us. So if this happens, where we go to the next area, how do we protect this? What numbers we need to have in line? Should we have without can we form ice centers and where we need to be to get mm. cool drinks? Or could we bring some of those who are suffering with disabilities? Where do we bring them? Uh, you know, and luckily, we have a community center that's uh, that's uh, fully uh, ready uh, that can actually be Red Cross certified to do things. So we have a generator that's there that can actually power the whole building and not lose power at all. So uh, those things come in handy for a small community. Uh, and we open the doors, not just this community. So if it's someone else within our neighborhood that may need to come out and uh, and we have the staff in that's there, hey, come on, we're welcoming you with open arms. We're kind of like the little town where I call them the, the small town with the big heart. Uh, so it's like a, a hospitality. You know, sometimes our hearts are bigger than the town itself. So we kind of go with the flow with that. And um, so we, we, lean our, we lean our head on just trying to be there for people when it's necessary. 
Okay, that was like the mic drop. We we just need to like cut the episode right here because it's just like you said everything again. Um, I, I'm really impressed by your thought process and the details that you're walking through. Of like, again, it's, it is a logistics mission, uh, so much and um, coordination mission and, and working with people and that aid that comes through. And <clears throat> you're talking about the hub and spoke. Um, we just had um, um, the director of Vermont uh, Emergency Management. Uh, talk about coordination and um, the hub and spoke on, on the show. And so, again, you're saying the, the similar things, which means your thought process is like right in line of what, like, I'm sure the emergency managers are listening to this. Like, can we just have that mayor be our politician, like in our neck of the woods? Because, again, uh, you're you're saying the right things and working with the right people in that process. Um, in in terms of how do I say this? Um, you know, the next steps for you then, you're right. Our Louisiana will always have to be in a preparedness mode 100% of the time. And the number one cause of death, as noted by the director of the NOAA's National Hurricane Center, is uh, fumes from generators, putting fumes from generators, again, saying the right stuff here. Um, what are your next steps? If you're always in this evolving or revolving door of preparedness, respond, prepare, respond, um, are, are you guys focusing on mitigation and like, what are you doing to like reduce the, the level of impact besides maybe public messaging? Uh, what we, uh, what we're doing as well is that we're working on, uh, um, drainage at this moment too. Uh, mm. so therefore we can kind of pump water out of the town quicker. Uh, so, you know, at one point we can get a, you know, a day full of water and, uh, say that we usually get it out in about 30 minutes or, or it's an hour. So now we recently received grant money where we'll be able to push that water out probably in three to five minutes. Uh, so Ooh, we're that's awesome. And that allow us to get to those uh, impacted areas quicker, you know, and with uh, Highway 69 runs directly through White Castle. So, you know, that's a main uh, that's a main structure that's coming through. And that highway helps uh, remove the Grand Isle. So you, when you're on the national news, and you hear Grand Isle they're down there. But most of those people who come from the Grand Isle area actually pass through White Castle. So, you know, and just not looking out for our people to be able to act, uh, use those roadways. If we have that roadway open, then those people from Grand Isle can have accessibility to get to safer grounds as well. Uh, so we have been working on that. Uh, it's just been a, a lot of things that we've done and uh, just preparing that you never could, uh, could counter when there's going to be wind and the wind could actually do it. And so if there are some people in the community that uh, their shingles come off or tent come off, we want to be able to have someone there that, uh, so we talk to local carpenters and local people that do work on homes. And, and in that case, can we go up there and put a tarp before the next gust of wind happen or something just to protect mm -hmm. those homes? Cause you know, people work hard to have what they want. And you know, when you have a storm, you're at the mercy of God. So you just kind of have that's to right. sit back and kind of weather the storm, but we want to let them know that after that storm, there's someone that's willing to come and help. Uh, so, you know, we prepare with tarps and, um, and water. And even if it's something to that area, we like to partnership with, uh, with, um, nonprofit organizations where, you know, if in case that there's kids that need things or whatever and clothing or whatever, we want to be there to let them know that we want to get normalcy back as quick as possible. And the only way you can do that is through partnership. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like to partner. They want to say we did it, we did it. But partnership mm -hmm. is doing a disaster. And if you can have that level of connectivity with a partner, it can make the, a difference for what are you doing in a, a, doing a storm situation. I am, uh, a self-proclaimed, very happy to be self-proclaimed capitalist. I believe in the capitalist systems, 
but a hurricane is not uh, like a, a change in the market. It blows up your market, like yes. literally. Like the it's uh, the tornadoes would get in there, boom! You don't have a market anymore, physical or existential. And so it, it takes partnerships, and it, it, it's not just like luck of the draw at that point. And so, um, uh, again, as a capitalist. I think it's all about partnerships and maybe a little bit of sacrifice to be able to help out other people who couldn't overcome it on their own. That's like what's really important. If people can overcome on their own, fantastic. But when they can't, and there's always those circumstances for a million different reasons, um, you know, we should step in and help out where we can. And I think that's kind of the humanitarian nature of the business. Um, and you're talking about nonprofits. Of course, like local relies on nonprofits so much. Um, you were talking about pumping out the the stormwater in the UK. They have this hilarious problem where their standard MO is where they pump out the water wherever there's flooding, but they don't like pump it out to like the ocean. They just like pump it out of their town. And so it just inherently floods the next town over. So I don't know if you have like a rivalry high school near you guys or a rivalry team, but Love uh, your football field, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have a big game coming up? Yes. Now you're gonna have to swim to it. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah. Um, oh, we have a state. We have a we we made state championships this year. Well, guess who? Guess guess what? No game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hilarious, um, you know. Uh, to say that uh, we actually, uh, you know, we're our high school team. The, the mascot is a bulldog, so we actually have a statue of a bulldog that sits at the other edge of the football field. And mm. one game we're getting ready to play, and someone actually stole this uh, entire statue. Oh. And they, yeah, they drug it the whole way. They didn't even try to pick it up. We finally got it back, and the dog was missing an ear. Uh, the, oh the, 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 it looked like there was a new uh, tail that was on the back of it. It was hilarious. We had to repaint it and everything, put new cement on it to restructure it. But it was hilarious. You know, that's in the robbery of a district game. So uh, we oh still haven't gosh. had a chance to kid, uh, kidnap their mis mascot yet, but it, I think it's coming <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would pay money to see that. In fact... I'm not going to uh, say anything on the air to uh, indict myself on any charges uh, or potential or otherwise, but I, I happen. How, how do I say this without getting in trouble? <laughs> I may be aware of two high yeah. schools uh, in my hometown that may have done uh, similar things, including sar saran wrapping and taking uh, the, uh, the mascot um, uh, cementing a Frisch's big boy into the cafeteria. That was a good one. And burning the high school letters of one team into the other team's football field, which was a major problem. And of course, I would never be a part of that. Uh, but, um, you know, that's kind of a weird turn on this, but that's awesome. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope they get paid happen. back in the right way. Yeah. yeah sometimes things happen, you know, good wording, you know, no self-implications. <laughs> That's right. I would never implicate. I will say that there was a guy in, um, gosh, where was it? Um, was it Auburn? The guy mm -hmm. who poured a chlorine yes, or something? The trees, right? The tree. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like it's one thing to like take a mascot like to move it, but it's another thing to like kill plant life. Like what? Oh. Are you doing? 
Alabama and Auburn is like a vicious, vicious effect. You know, uh, you know, we we're our team. We're pretty good in basketball. We have about seven uh, state titles in basketball class one. Wow. And, uh, yeah. Your high school has seven seven titles in state basketball. Yes, and actually we awesome. made twenty eight. Yeah, we actually have made twenty eight appearances to what we call a top twenty eight. Which is basically our uh, our state tournament. Uh, so right. we got seven uh, out of the deal. Um, so uh, pretty awesome. we're pretty good in that part. And uh, uh, I think it gets a little vicious when we uh, have one of our rivals, uh, right from Baton Rouge area. You know, they have fourteen titles. So between the <laughs> two of us, <laughs> uh, out of those twenty eight games, we probably the match with each other about nineteen to twenty times. Uh, so uh, oh you know, it's uh, it's tough. Uh, but. Uh, uh, we we seldomly get revenge, and when we get it, we kind of rub it in real good. Uh, so, uh, you, know. <laughs> you know, my wife makes fun of me. This is like super off topic, but um, she she this is I'm just worded the way she words it that I am a very gracious loser, but I'm a terrible winner. If I lose, like great, like it was your year, like happy that it was your time. But if I win, I will remind you of it. All, like it could be Monopoly, it could be whatever it is. I will remind you every single day that I won. It uh, can be any other way. I mean, you need to rub it in. You got you have to feel it, you know, and make it sting yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Are, are you a are you an LSU fan or like who who's your team? I don't know if I should not say that I'm not an LSU fan, knowing I'm from Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> There's the politician coming out. Yeah, oh, man, the the Tiger Nation would be really mad at me, but uh, for some That's reason, hilarious. I like to root for Auburn. I like Auburn for some reason. You like Auburn? Oh man, yeah. in the South, maybe I shouldn't have teed that up for you. I don't want oh, you to you lose your offers perfectly. over it. It was yeah. almost a hole in one with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, I'm Ohio State. I grew up in Ohio, so I'm a big Ohio State fan. So I was very happy when they switched over the. Um, the college football games and we beat uh we beat everybody out for the south for that first one but man they've uh, hosed us ever since so yeah you know you get, yeah. you get what you get but yeah. hey mayor uh now that we're completely off the rails here um i just want to thank you again so much for uh coming on the podcast for providing a different perspective as somebody who interacts with emergency management who's trying to do things right who's in my opinion, you, you sound like a humanitarian at heart, which which is uh, what we want to hear and what we want to see. And it sounds like you're really doing things right down there in uh, White Castle, Louisiana. If you were going to give your last bit of advice to emergency managers who have to work with politicians, uh, you know, kind of reiterating what you said before, but your your last big call out, what would you say to them? Hold your ground. Uh, you know, mm. you um, as emergency managers, you know the job, you know it well. You know what the behind the story is. You know what needs to go forward. Hold your ground. But I would tell you in speaking with them, let go of the acronyms. Uh, give them some words that they understand and kind of just put it in simple layman's terms. Uh, if you simplify it, it's great. If you complicate it, then you become and get the butthole politician who said, oh, they're just trying to outshadow us. What I say is just keep it calm, keep it simple. And when you keep it simple, you keep those uh, lines of communication open. And as you speak with them, you see that they're enlightened more than it can actually be a headache. So, you know, with politicians, keep it simple, be simplistic as possible and believe in uh, believe in what you're doing. And you don't have to do a lot to really, uh, you know, in a sense, try to convince them that this is going to happen. You just have to stick to your data, stick to your research and stick to what you have learned. And either they're going to accept it or they're not. And for those who accept it, it can be a successful engagement between uh, a politician and an emergency manager 
or if they don't and they're resistant, then it could be a nightmare. But ultimately, that nightmare is just not between those two. It could be the cost of people's lives and what goes on behind the scenes. So uh, I would just say that stick, stick to your guns, believe what you do. And uh, you have full support from a politician like myself, because I know it takes a lot of long nights because I'd be up a lot of nights uh, doing storms where you only get about maybe 30 minutes of sleep and then you're back up. So I will, you know, kudos to all of you. Uh, just keep it simple and uh, stand your guns, you know, stand your ground totally, you know, and if you have to fire back, fire aggressively. But if you don't, you're going to think you're a little pup and they're going to step on you. So keep a whole, whole fast standing ground and that's it. Just keep it simple. Uh I, I will 100% back up. I don't know anything about you politically, but I'll, I'll support you for mayor again. I think that's I think that's the the right call there. I've I've heard a lot of emergency managers complain about like I don't have the backing, I don't have this, I don't have that. But when I talk to them, they're hyper passionate, and they uh, they don't explain things simply, and they don't really work hard to get the politician on their side of like, hey, let me, and, and just to be respected as another professional who knows their job. And so simplify, trust your data, trust that you're the professional, don't try to outshine, all that stuff, excellent. Like, check, 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 check. I hope you run for mayor again. I hope you get reelected. Uh, and I, 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 I do hope we have you on the podcast again sometime. For all of our listeners, um, I want you to do something special for me this episode, if you can. I want you to say thank you to uh, you know uh, the mayor, um, uh, either from our the mayor who came onto this show, obviously uh, Morris the Third. Do you go by Mayor Morris the Third? Is that how you typically go by? Uh, most I, I like your first name the most, by the way. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> likewise, uh, yeah, most times I, I don't even you know. Sometimes they say Mayor. Sometimes I don't even reply. You know, I'm, I'm, if you call me Jail John, <laughs> I'm pretty good and I'm happy with it. It's not about the title. It's just about getting the job done. Okay, you're not you're not allowed to have like seven mic drop moments on the on the show. You gotta we gotta say that for the next one. But uh, yeah, but seriously, seriously, uh, thanks for coming on. Say thank you in our comments on the Disaster Tough podcast. Let him know that we're grateful to to hear of poli hear about politicians and wanting to work with emergency managers. That's huge for us. If there's a local politician in your area that could probably use, uh, I want to say a little morale boost, but. That, you know, make sure you say thank you to your your local person and try to re to reach out, simplify, work with them. And so, when the disaster hits, as Mayor Morris the Third called out, you know, you can ultimately save lives, which is the goal of emergency management. Again, follow us on the show, five star rating, and subscribe. And we'll see you for next week. Mm -hmm.